What's happening, everybody? It's Kira and Ben back again. We have special guest, special guest Adam Spedberg. He's been on the show before, so welcome back. Hi. Um, you know, in your defense, I do fart a lot, so um, I'll try. I'll try to plug it up for us today, guys. Okay. Oh my God! Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, staying in the theme of female horror, last week we did do Suspiria, and this week we are doing one of my favorite movies, Midsummer. So let's start with uh, Ben's history of the film. Never seen it. Uh, you said, "Hey, let's do Midsummer," and I was like, "Let's get doing. Let's do this." So that's my history. Yep. Amazing. Okay, and Adam. Oh, I yeah, no, I totally haven't seen it before. So it was pretty. Awesome. I mean, like the very ending of it, I'm not going to spoil it. I'll like here we go and talk about the synopsis. But the very ending of it was pretty cool, too. And I think there were some pretty interesting moments that I that I'm that I'm totally psyched about asking you guys questions on, because I, I think that there are definitely like mood changes that you get throughout this film. I think there are definitely like cool interpretations that you can have at the beginning of the film and then at the end of the film in terms of like different actions that people take that reoccur. Um, so yeah, I'm super excited to pump, uh, to talk about it. Me too. So I am a big fan of the director, Ari Aster. I, when I first saw Hereditary, I fell in love with Ari Aster as a director. Um, I think the way that he can get his actors to portray certain emotions that feel so real and so vulnerable is incredible. And I think the way he sets up a scene is really interesting because I sometimes never know where he's going to go next. I think he does really well with blending horror and surrealism with reality. And I think that's what makes some of his films so unsettling because they are themes and they are things that we all deal with. And he is just pushing it to that extreme, which is what I like to see in my horror because I watch horror to help me deal with the anxieties that I feel like I cannot deal with. And to watch heroines or final girls or whatever overcome these, I find to be incredibly soothing. So I can talk a lot about this movie. But and then, of course, I have seen his third film, Bo is Afraid, also great. Definitely different from his first two. I'm not going to get too into it, but I would highly recommend. Uh, honestly, watch all his films, even watch his short film. We need to talk about the Johnsons. Highly disturbing content, not for the faint of heart. It's not one that I outwardly recommend because it is more sensitive. But if you guys like Midsummer, you like Hereditary, you like Bo is Afraid, you would probably like that one as well. So let's dive into Midsummer. Oh my God. Okay. So any initial thoughts before we go through the synopsis? Yes. I spoke to you before and I said, there's parts of it that remind me of Logan's Run. Absolutely. Um, and I said 100%. I made that connection immediately. You will tune in when you have referenced, recognized something from your synopsis videos. <laughs> <laughs> all right. First of all, uh, I was pretty pumped that I got to see a whole bunch of actors that were in other movies that I saw before. So I was like, oh, actors, they do multiple, like, that's a thing. The One of the main characters in there was hot and i was like all right and was a little upset when he was dead at the end but also like had it come in yeah which one did you think is hot I don't, the dude with the like the shirt like the one who ends up in the bear costume at the end christian the boyfriend we think christian's hot dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I, I mean what is it um marry fuck or kill i would i would fuck okay sorry we're gonna do this for two seconds you have fucked christian over pele all right first of all which one's Pele again? The one from the cult. The one that brought... Oh, yeah. No, no. Long hair, I'm sorry. Blip. I'm good. It's like borderline man bun hair. And I will have none of that in my life. I mean, no offense to anyone who does have long hair. Super cute. I like it on other people. Just, I don't know. 
I don't like to necessarily pull it when I'm having fun with it, when I'm staying on. So, but yeah, the main character, Christian, yeah, totally hot. And I already saw him in another movie, and at one point, I'm pretty sure he wore a leather jacket, and I was like, all right, you got me. Like, you hooked me in, I'll take it. Um, Meg Ryan yeah. does that how do, how do you not? How do you not find him attractive? Okay, so maybe I don't, I can see how, like, he does look good. He is a good-looking man. But I think his character is so abhorrent that I hate him and I think he is disgusting and I do and that makes him so ugly to me. He looks like an ugly little whiny bitch. He's so sudden. Okay. All right, fine. But also that's the difference between men and women. Like I don't really all the emotional stuff you can just kinda like I don't even care. Like I'm not gonna marry you. Like that's that's a thing. But I like I'd hit that. So I booty calls. So welcome to this week's edition of What's Happening's Booty Call. At, at, exactly. <laughs> we learned that Adam loves toxic men who are hot. <laughs> Just don't tell my boyfriend. <laughs> my boyfriend is one of those things. He's an amazing human being, and I absolutely love him. Oh. The end. <laughs> Shout out Adam's boyfriend. <laughs> no, I love Tyler. I love Tyler. He's awesome. Wait, can I can I use his government name on here? Uh, I think so. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> all right, we're going to Midsummer now. So, Midsummer opens, and we have our protagonist, Danny. Um, we see her messaging with her sister. Um, it's a lot of scary messages. And while she's doing that, she's talking to a girlfriend on the phone. Now, the girlfriend uh, we never really see again, which I found to be a very interesting choice, but that's not the point of the movie. Um, so she's having some really scary messages with her sister while she's calling her friend. And while she's doing this, she is mentioning that her boyfriend Christian is out and things are not really going well. Um, and he's not really there and she doesn't want to drag him into it because she, he calls her dramatic and like plays it off and does all the things a narcissist abusive boyfriend does. Um, so then the conversation ends and we see... Um, now we meet Christian and he is out with a group of his anthropology friends. They're all in the same major together. And it is him with three other guys, Pele, the guy with the eyebrows, as always, I forget everyone's name, and then Chidi from The Good Place. <laughs> so I forget everyone's names in the movies besides Danny, Christian, and Pele. So we, oh, I think actually Mark is one of their names. I forget who though. So then we see them and they're talking and Christian is talking about how he wants to break up with Danny, how he's unhappy. He's checking out the waitress. His friends are encouraging him to cheat on her. They're talking about going to this midsummer um, festival with Pele in Sweden. And while this is happening, uh, Danny keeps calling Christian and we don't know why. And then it opens to the title cards, which are devastating so what i love is like it's a movie it's called midsummer and then our title cards it's snowing in chicago i love that and what we see is um a horror scene at danny's parents house where we see that her sister has committed suicide and has taken her parents with her um the way that she does this um obviously guys this episode is going to be extremely graphic and triggering please we're going to talk about um suicide a lot um, we're going to talk about drug use, um, ritual sex practices. Um, we're going to talk about a lot of heavy things. So I sh probably should have put this a little sooner, but I'm so sorry. So back to it. We see that the sister has killed herself by um, taping up the whole house and gassing it out with carbon monoxide. So pretty, pretty sad and horrifying scene. Um, I will say it is 
beautifully shot though the the slowly opening of the garage doors with the lights and then you just follow the fireman through all the horrors of the house until you reach the sister you see the ims from danny on the screen and then you it go it fades into like this haunting score and then into danny's like cries i think is it's so beautiful and i think because in the trailers everything is set against this very bright ideally idyllic setting to start this movie off this way is completely jarring and i think it really kind of has the um audience member not really know what to expect right because now we're already as emotionally devastated as danny is yes i agree and i think that scene contrasts death to what we've learned later like what the other people do for death mm -hmm. like this is dark and gloomy and everything else is bright and colorful if that makes any sense absolutely yeah so like it's a contrasting like deaths in these movies of course and i think what it does is it goes down to the ideology of how and i will use americans because we are set in an american setting for this but as um, how americans view life and death versus how this cult in sweden views life and death um because they are two very very different things um obviously what danny is about to experience she has no idea so then we see Danny crying in bed. Months have passed. Um, it is now springtime. And she's trying to move on with her life. She is still with Christian. Um, but she's trying to get past this very hor horrifying event. I mean, if this happened to me, I don't think I would be able to move forward. I know you have to. Life keeps going. But I, I, I put myself in that situation. I'm like, I don't know how she does it. So she goes to this party with Christian. And they are talking about going to the Midsummer Festival or the May festival. And while she is talking, she doesn't realize that Christian wants to go because he always plays it down to her. He's, she's like, oh, I didn't realize you were doing that. And he's like, oh, I told you. And she's like, well, you told me it was something you were thinking about. I didn't know that like you wanted it. Um, so she keeps co cool in the party and then they have that big fight in her apartment, um, which I think is very interesting how he like plays the victim is like, well, I told you about this. You weren't listening. It's like, dude, she just lost her whole effing family. And you're obviously lying to her. Like we all see this. And then he's like, well, come if you want kind of thing. And then she's like, okay, yeah, I will. I have literally nothing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Manipulators manipulate the situations. Exactly, because he's what? A narcissist. Oh, I hate Christian so much. I can't wait to talk about what a piece yeah, of Adam. shit he is. <laughs> yeah, Adam. Sorry, like toxic men. <laughs> okay, so now um, we are at Pele's apartment and we see Danny. They're talking about the Midsummer Festival. Um, she's talking about how it's going to be around her birthday, how she's excited to go, get out of the States. And he's very excited to have her. It kind of feels like he's the only one that wants her there, in my opinion, at this point. Christian's kind of aloof and awful. All his friends are kind of following his footsteps because they have loyalty to him. But I do love the breakdown of that loyalty um, throughout the film. And then I one of in one of one of the best transition scenes I think in the film is we see Danny kind of having this panic attack of starting to cry, starting to feel all the emotions of what she's been going through. And she walks into the bathroom and as she's going into the bathroom, it flips into the airplane bathroom and she's crying in the bathroom and she's on the airplane to Sweden. And I think it is. So, so well done. Um, so now they are in Sweden. Now, I like I said, I am a big fan of this movie. So I own the director's cut version, which is the one I only watch. So I will be referencing some things that are not in the theatrical cut. Um, if you are confused, just let me know. I was born confused. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so they get to Sweden and now they have to drive from whatever 
airport they landed in to Pele's cult. I mean, I'm going to call it a cult. He calls it a, a commune. And he's on some their version of Rumspringa where they go out into the world, they study, they learn skills, and then they come back. So, um, and they are back obviously for the May Festival, um, the Midsummer Festival, where it is a huge celebration. Everyone is coming. And they are there. To, so they are there because um, Pele was in their anthropology class and they are all anthropologists and they are going there to write a paper. Well, Chidi especially is going there to write a paper. Danny's tagging along, Mark is tagging along, and then Christian obviously is tagging along under the guise of also doing some sort of research about this. But um, Chidi is studying all the Midsummer festivals in Europe, whereas Christian is only going to this one. So um, they get to the festival, now they get to the community and it is very bright. Everything is, it is always sunny. Everyone is drinking this mushroom tea. Everybody's embracing, everyone's loving each other. Everyone's blonde, everyone has blue eyes. Um, it, I mean, it is very, Ethnocentric, is that the word I'm looking for? Yes, thank you. No clue. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they all look a very certain way. Um, we see Pele meet up with some of his friends. His friends have also brought people um, and all the groups are meeting together. Now, um, they are drinking this tea, which is a, a hallucinogenic tea, is a mushroom tea. Um, it is part of the ritual, is part of the community, something that they all do. So they all start tripping together. And one thing I like about this is we see the tripping through Danny's points of view. And she is obviously mentally not in a good place. And But sometimes she is. And I think one of the ways that she is in a good place, even though it scares her, is when she is first beginning to hallucinate and her feet kind of start becoming roots yes. and like grass, like with the trees. And I thought that was very symbolic of like her staying there and planting roots. Yes. Um, very like over the head metaphor but um she, so she starts um hallucinating and then that gets her scared so she goes into the bathroom and she sees her sister um that gets her scared and then um she ends up sleeping and then she wakes up because she falls asleep in the woods and no one comes and finds her i thought that was insane where's your boyfriend he fucking sucks because he didn't come and find you you're tripping on mushrooms in a place you've never been before and he's just chilling with his buddies and you're lost overnight ridiculous and you like this man? <laughs> okay. All right. First of all, in his defense, he was also high. No telling where he could have been until when he finally sobered up. But also, like, it was never it was never night. It was never night. It was always daylight. So much sun. It's always daylight. But, I mean, the hours still pass. Time still moves. That's what they want you to think. It's always uh, sunny in Philadelphia. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> now they're going to the main the main days of the festivals. So there's a lot of meals. There's a lot of dancing. Everyone is celebrating. They all stay in this one house called the Children's Quarters, where you stay from when you're, I think it was what, seven to eighteen. No, well, they had the baby in there. No, they did have the baby in there. So yeah, so you're a baby in there till eighteen, and then you go off, and then you come back, and then you live in like the marriage quarters. Yes. Okay. So they're all in this like kid's house that has all these like really beautiful um, illustrations. And I do want to talk about the illustrations because if you pay attention to the illustrations in this movie, they reveal 
more than what you think they reveal. So I think that is so, so cool. Um, so now they're all staying in the same house um, in the children's quarters and they go to dinner and everything is set up in these rune shapes. These runes are everywhere. And this is a scene that is in the director's cut that is not in the original, that is not in the theatrical cut. Um, there's a scene in the car ride while they were driving where Danny is questioning Chidi about why he is reading a book about Nazi symbolism. And he goes, well, I'm going to bounce that question off to Pele. And Pele is saying that even though the runes and the symbols that they use are similar to those that were used in the Nazi language, they are different. Now, I believe he is lying. And I believe that they are the similar views. And this is going to play into a theory I have uh, later at the end. But, but I do believe there is Nazi rhetoric in the cult. Oh, oh, fun fact, fun fact. So I know this. Uh, the Nazis actually did like follow the uh, the Nordic gods and the runes, and the SS symbol is actually um, a, a Nordic rune twisted to make the the SS. Mm-hmm. And um, they they worship the, the the Swedish and the Nord the Nord um, the Norwegians uh, for their blonde hair, blue eyes, and that's what they strive for. And there's uh, numerous cults that were formed by SS leaders that in the castles where they had ritualistic murders. And um, so that, that that's actually something that it, uh, so yes, you are dead spot on. Uh, thank you, learning history. Yes, Ben. Uh, so yes, you're right. Yes, so I do believe. Okay, I'm so excited that you said that because this plays into everything I'm about to, we're gonna talk Himmler, about later. Himmler had a castle and he had realistic, uh, ritualistic murders there under uh, uh, Nordic traditions. And that's what I think. And I think I believe that this, cult was founded by an SS officer who fled Nazi Germany. Makes sense. Which is what I believe. Okay. So, yes. So, we find out that these these runes and these symbols and everything is based in, um, is tied to the Nazis. Um, So, everything is set up. All their tables, they have, and what they're doing with everyone with the exception of Mark who is just there to like party and like have sex and Pele's like okay dude like we're at a a commune um he's like vaping at the table he's literally the worst he's played by Will Poulter who does a phenomenal job of it so they're sitting and they are observing like I would say Chidi Christian and Danny the most are the best at observing these cultures. Um, you are, we're also introduced to Connie and her boyfriend, I forget her boyfriend's name, um, or fiance they're engaged, who comes with one of Pele's friends. Um, and these are the outsiders of the cult, right? These are the ones that um, have been brought in to witness this ceremony and these festivities. As like a special treat, um, Pele says it a bunch. She goes, you know, I really had to ask the elders for all this permission and, um, they're excited that they're there. So while they are doing um, their original, while they're doing their opening ceremonies and things like that, they are talking and um, we are met with the prophet of their um, of their commune. And their prophet is obviously um, a- Inbred. Yeah, I didn't know how to nicely put it. An inbred child and he is nonverbal, but they believe that his finger paintings are the messages of um, what they should follow. And it is in this book and no one can see the book that is, um, no one can read the book except for the elders. And um, they translate what this um, child does. So that brings up a lot of really interesting parts and they talk about the inbreeding of it because Chidi asks a bunch of questions. He goes, so how is this happening? Like in a small community, does inbreeding happen a lot? And they say, no, they're very safe about it and very careful about it with the exception of when they need a new prophet, which I found very interesting. Yes. 
Um, so already some weird things going on. We're already a little weirded out. And then they say that they are getting ready for the festival the next day, which is a big ceremony. And now Chidi has some ideas of what the ceremony is because he studied it. Danny does not. And because of this, she is a little nervous, but Chidi seems excited because he's like, is this real? Is this real? Is this real? And Pele's like, you'll see, you'll see, you'll see. So they have a dinner for these two elders in the community. They're both at the age of 75, 78, something like that. Yes, they're up there. And everyone, it seems like everyone is following their lead and waiting for them. And then they get carried very ceremoniously um, in a parade style to this cliff. And while they're at this cliff, everyone is standing there and watching them. And they go up to the cliff. And as they're doing this, one of the elders is reading um, passages from their book. And while they're doing this, they're saying um, their goodbyes because they are about to kill themselves. This is an end of life ceremony. So you would think that literally anybody would have prepared Danny for this because she, her, she just lost her sister and her parents. So they are at the ceremony and she's like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Are they going to jump? What's happening? Um, and they do jump. And of course, they don't die immediately. So then the elders take turns with the world's biggest hammer bashing them in the head. Well, the woman dies immediately. Yeah, and but she, the, the, the man, man doesn't. The and, man. I, and then I thought it was pretty cool because um, they imitated his pain and dance when they when he was screaming. Like the people around him were wailing and dancing to him, and then the elders went over and like like ended him, like brutally. Right. <laughs> and I love because this is the first kind of this is the first thing we see of how the community acts when one of theirs is hurt. And I love it because we see it repeated throughout the film in a way that is so interesting because it really goes down to the mentality of this cult, which we are going to talk about later. There's a lot to cover here, guys. I'm trying to cover the synopsis super quick so we can get into all the other good, fun things about it. So Danny is now very upset and she wants to go home. Christian is saying that he does not want to leave and they have this big fight and she's saying, what are you saying? You don't want to leave. What's happening? I want to go. I'm not feeling safe. I'm not feeling good. I, I want to leave. And he's like, no, no, no. We're going to say we're going to say immediate another red flag from this man so of course they end up staying and then he confronts Chidi to say that he wants to do his story his thesis on this cult and midsummer traditions and Chidi's like no like you can't steal all my work and put your name on it. he actually asks if he can collab on it and he says no and I think that's really interesting because you kind of see like how Christian selfishness is seeping into every relationship of his not just his relationship with Danny yes 100% and you know uh, you could see also when like he's sitting at the table and he's actually looking at the redheaded girl yeah, the other women like he's like totally interested and like Danny's like right there but he doesn't see her yeah he, I don't think he ever saw her he never saw her he forgot her birthday Pele remembered and then he does this like sheepish little birthday cake song bullshit Paley draws her a beautiful photo of her and i thought it was so nice also while this is happening um people are vanishing so the first people after um the death ceremony that are trying to leave is connie and her fiance so first we see that her fiance leaves and connie's like where do you go why would he leave without me why would he leave without me and they're like oh we can only bring one person in the car at a time and she's like well that's stupid i would have sat on his lap i would have done this i would have done that and they're like no 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 so she is now without her boyfriend and she is waiting for him right now in a scene in the director's cut after christian and danny have their fight 
in the field where she's like, I don't get why you want to stay. I want to leave. There is a scene at night. It turns dark for one scene in this film, which is crazy because it goes against what we know because everything is supposed to be bright and sunny. And how can all these horrifying things happen when it's so bright out and so sunny? Do bad things happen in the daylight? Yes, but they also happen in the nighttime too. So there's one scene at night. It just is never explained why there is one night, but it is because they, and then during this one night, they always call the river monster or the river God, and they have to make a sacrifice to the river God. So while they're there, um, a small boy, he is like probably five to seven. I do not know the age of children comes forward and he is talking about how he is going to sacrifice himself, how he is brave enough and strong enough. And he is going to sacrifice himself to the, to this, god and everyone's like word okay now danny is standing there and she is frozen she's scared and she starts fighting out against so they have this boy all wrapped up in these chains and they're like swinging him out into the water and she's like stop what are you doing and you see other women hearing this and then start pleading with her so then they stop it and they say for his bravery for offering to be um, sacrificed at such a young age he does not have to be sacrificed and then he is saved everyone is happy the ritual ends and then they go home and it's like hmm why is that important we will get back to it remember that he was wearing chains okay yes so now we're back into the daylight Danny is hallucinating she's not having a good time Pele is like convincing her to stay she's having fun with the women She's doing the baking and she's picking flowers and she's she's really bonding with the other women in this community. They've really taken her in as her own. Um, while the men, it seems like, are kind of floundering with the exception of Pele because he is one of them. And while all this is happening, we talked about um, Christian and Maya. Or is it Amaya? I think it's Maya. And um, she has red hair and she is seeking him out in the, um, in the community. Maja, my bad, my bad. And seeking um, him out in the community and kind of what it looks like is putting a love spell on him. She is putting something under his bed. She is putting her pubic hair in his pies. She is putting her period blood in his drinks. Like she's doing all these little things to kind of what she believes is to get her, him to fall in love with her because they, she, her end goal is to have a baby. And so all this is happening while all these other horrors are happening. Guys, please watch this movie. So while that is going on, um, Connie goes missing. And everyone's like, where's Connie? It's like, oh, she went with her fiance. And then Mark pees on a sacred tree. He goes missing. I'm gonna try to rapid fire through all the main parts. Um, Chidi goes into their temple to try and steal um, their book because he wants, he tries to steal like their Bible because he wants to get information. He gets clunked on the head, goes missing. Um, so now we're left with Pele, Danny, and Christian is the final day of the festival. They're like, where are all our friends? Who cares? We've been drinking mushroom tea for four days. Like, or has it been four days? It's been daylight the whole time. So they is just the three of them remaining. Christian gets asked to go to this um, meeting with Silva, who is one of the elders. And Danny is entered into the May Queen contest. Um, earlier in the film, we find out that the May Queen is granted once every few years during this festival while all the sun is up. And is a very high and revered title. You want to be the May Queen. Um, so she has entered into the contest um, and it is a dancing contest. So she has to do all this dancing and um, she wins because all the, so she drinks the mushroom tea, they're doing the dance around the Maypole. All the girls are falling down and 
dancing is a very fun scene to show the way that she can let go and how she can really be one with this community. She starts speaking Swedish, even though she does, says she doesn't know it. Um, they're laughing, and she is the last one ma- remaining. So she is the May Queen. Now, they hold this huge fe- feast for her, this huge celebration. She's getting paraded around. She sees her dead parents' face faces in the crowd, her sisters. You see her sister's face above her in the sky. Her, the way that they hide her sister throughout this whole film is so beautiful. It's, she's hidden everywhere. Pele makes out with her. Um, and then she's sitting at this table, and now Christian is also there. He's been drinking the tea. Um, he's had this very odd conversation with Silva, and everything is moving for both of these characters in two very different ways. Um, Danny is being celebrated. Well, it feels like Christian, is he getting punished? What is happening to him? So the the dinner is ending. Danny has to go to do her May Queen tasks and Christian is dragged away um, to go and he ends up meeting with Maja because the elders had approved it. They had talked about that. And they, um, he is very drugged up and they perform um, a sex ritual. So you have a bunch of older women around um, Maja as she is laying, presenting herself naked on a bed of flowers. And Christian, drugged, confused, is coming in and they're like, they're leading him and guiding him into having sex. Like the woman like helps him, they help her, she's talking to them. And again, we see the scene where all the women, once Maja starts having sex, they start mimicking the noises that she is making. They're all moving in sync and in harmony behind them while they're watching Christian and her have sex. Danny's now finishing up her May Queen tasks and looking for Christian, right? Then they're like, don't, you don't want to go there. You don't want to go there. And we see Danny look through the peephole of the church that he's in and he sees her, him having sex with her. And he sees all these women around. Um, so obviously she starts freaking out. Again, we see the community of women coming around her. They are all crying together. They're all... It is such a powerful scene. We see Danny letting everything out, but also for the first time, really releasing and not suppressing what she's feeling. And we'll get back into this when we talk about the community and um, the relief of communal grief. Um, but so she's releasing all her emotions for the first time and she is breaking down sobbing and all these women are screaming and sobbing with her. This is a pattern we have seen from the community. Now, after this ends, they have to go back and do more May Queen tasks. And, and then Christian obviously has completed his tasks and now he is paralyzed because he's running around naked he sees all his dead he sees his dead friends um in a barn everyone is like they've got the fiance's back is filleted open chidi's foot is in the ground um it's very gruesome christian then is running around he gets clunked on the head and now he is paralyzed so he's sitting in a chair paralyzed danny is there and then one of the men the one that brought connie um, is also there and then they have another man whose name is drawn lottery style and Danny as May Queen gets to choose who to kill because they are going to do one more sacrifice someone volunteers the friend um, that brought Connie and then Danny gets to pick one to die either a member of the community who names gets whose name get pulled or Christian who do we think she picks Hans <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Christian. Sorry, Christian. <laughs> you got the axe. So they have already paralyzed him. So he's just chilling. And they're like, all right, dude, you ready? So we see a separate scene where they cut open a bear, um, pull out all its insides, and sew Christian into this bear suit. Throughout the film, we see this looming uh, yellow triangle building. And while we see this building, we see 
all the bodies of all the people who have gone missing getting wheeled into this building. We see Connie with the chains on that the little boy was supposed to be wearing. She was the sacrifice for him. So we see her, we see Mark, we see Chidi, we see her husband, we see um, the two people who had committed suicide earlier in the film. They are also the sacrifice. We see the, um, the two men who have volunteered to be sacrificed and burned alive. And then obviously our main event, Christian in the bear suit. So what happens now? Danny in all her May Queen glory in this beautiful flower ball, like sack, I don't know, vessel. I don't know. It's just, it's like a giant cape, but she has no arms. She can't move. It's just her head. Well, she has like little T-Rex arms, but so she is um, watching them and then they burn the, they burn it alive. They burn the whole building down and Christian burns alive. Everyone else that in there burns alive. And while the screams and the fire of them is happening and everyone is burning, we hear again the full community surrounding it screaming mimicking the pain that they imagine their fellow people to be feeling and the scene and the movie ends with a zoom in on danny's face and she is finally smiling she has obviously cried out she is tired she is drugged but she is smiling um and that's how the movie ends so sorry that was a super long explanation you guys let's get into the film so adam what questions do you have because i feel like i have not let you talk at all Oh, no. <laughs> Your voice is mesmerizing, Kira, and Ooh. I could listen to you all day. <laughs> I don't know about that long hair, though. So I d- <laughs> Ouch. Uh, yeah. So uh, here, I got one for you. All right. So it is just not customary, I, I think, for us to to really see people sympathize with our emotions in the way that this cult did every time Danny kind of like broke down or had a moment. Um, so how did you feel when it first happened with the cliff droppers and how did that feeling change by the time they did the last one? Did it bring you some sense of calm? Were you at least like expecting it? Cause like you, like there was kind of some question as to like what was going to happen. You know, you're watching a horror movie, people are getting down to the edge of the cliff and then you're kind of sitting there and you're like, all right, something's going to happen. Are they going to jump? Are they not going to jump? But at least that's like, it makes sense in your head when it finally does happen. You're like, okay, that seems reasonable. And then all of a sudden, like everyone starts, you know, mimicking that same kind of emotion. It's a bit, so yeah, so it was a bit jarring. And, you know, by the time you get to the end, uh, I mean, you're not necessarily expecting it, but when Danny starts to break down again, like I just sent, you know, someone I know, like I literally just sent someone to get murdered and now he's getting burned alive and, and, and she's freaking out and then they freak out along with her. It, kind of presents a different feeling like you know forces you to then think like how how is how is this relating now back to like their acceptance of her into the cult um you know again brings back these vibes of like you know how how are we dealing with this as a community so like how did how did that first feeling evolve for you guys as you got to the end so i thought it made her more connected to the community like um so there's a part in the, the film where the lady says we're all connected and we're all in this together and we feel their pain as they pass. Danny's like, I don't understand. I don't get what you're saying. She's like, so I think the progression of her through like becoming the May Queen, doing everything with the people, being more connected with them as a unit instead of seeing them like as off in the distance. Like now she's actually making pies. She's doing things. She's actually connecting with these people. I felt like when she's breaking down and crying at the end, they're connected with her. And I thought that's why she smiled is because she was never connected with anybody. Like 
once her parents died and her sister died and she wasn't connected to anybody she her boyfriend wasn't connected to her she felt all alone and by herself and just distant and then them taking her in and embracing her and making her feel as one of the community like she got it i think the end of the smile of her was i get it i'm part of this i'm part of them so i agree with that i do have some thoughts dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so when i first saw when when you first watch the scene of the two um people committing suicide and you hear the cries of the community i think for me it was more of a question not as jarring as much but more of a question of what why are they screaming like this and what are they doing are they doing this because of the pain that they feel for these people lives ending them not being in their lives anymore or are we feeling the pain of what we imagine that they're going through right and i think it is very ambiguous at that point and i think it's supposed to be ambiguous because at that point we're still trying to figure out the cult we have just landed right and i think what this movie does such a good job of especially through the eyes of danny like you were saying is it really kind of, I would say this movie sort of indoctrinates you like they're indoctrinating Danny. So every, everything that is, is very, that happens to Danny in this film and everything that is asked of her in this film, I think is incredibly intentional. And I think it is to do that to get her to stay. And I think the whole goal of this trip, regardless of when the intention started, was to keep Danny. So do what are my thoughts let me get back to your question i'm so sorry because so i believe that and when i first saw it it led me to a lot of questions about where this film is going what sort of cult is this and how are we supposed to be feeling about them and how are they supposed to be feeling about death this is the whole thing this is what we're trying to figure out and then i think by the end what we are feeling is we are feeling that like you said community energy and we are feeling that communal grief and we are feeling that nothing is a burden alone, right? And I think that is the point of the film. Now, is that what is right or right? No, I don't believe so. Let's talk a little bit about it. And then we'll talk about other parts because I have so many thoughts about this. So when we see Danny first breaking down, the one moment that she first truly only breaks down around Christian is when she just finds out and he's holding her even though he wants to break up with her he's like holding her her parents are dead obviously this is prolonging their relationship he is kind of obviously just holding her not really doing anything right and then everything else we see her stifling herself we see her not expressing her emotions we don't see her doing anything we see her trying to be what she imagines is what a good girlfriend to Christian would be because she doesn't want to lose him he, she's that's all she has right and then we see her slow with the acceptance of her as a person within the cult we can see that sort of drift from her and christian because she is able to talk about things she wants she is able to laugh she's able to cry they and they see her as a full person whereas christian as a narcissist does just sees her as an extension of himself right so i think that is super important and what is happening is while danny is feeling so comfortable and we're feeling so happy for danny to feel comfortable because we know all the tragedy that she's gone through so we obviously want to see our protagonist thrive we are slowly agreeing and going along with what this cult is doing just like danny is because as an audience member you have empathy for her so you want her to be happy in the end and what we do is we think this cult has empathy for her and wants her to be happy in the end. What are their true intentions? Okay, remember how we were gonna talk about illustrations? Let's get in it. So, the movie, you did not see it. 
you did. Yes. Opens. And the opening part of a movie is actually the full movie. Did you know that? Did you see that in the photo? So it is in the same illustration style that we see all the pictures of drawn in in the cult. You see the whole movie. It shows you everything. You see Danny and Christian together in a relationship. And you see Pele watching the relationship in the trees. You see death. You see a trip. You see heartbreak. And you see more death. That is the movie. Nice. It is... They do this. They do this multiple times throughout the film. There, so that, but that is the first intention. And what I love about that is that you, as the audience, when you're first watching it, you don't know that this is happening. So you're like, oh, look at this fun, beautiful photo. We're going to uh, the Swedish countryside. Look at all this folk art. It's like very idealist, idyllic, just like having everything set in the daylight is. And then once you watch the film, and then you look, you think back at it, or you rewatch it again, and you catch that. I think it's kind of like, oh, nothing is what it seems, which is a vibe that I got throughout this whole movie, which is what you're supposed to get. So then there is a part where they are paneling along illustrations of um, that looks like someone had just painted. And you see the whole process of Maja and Christian's spell, like relationship. So you see everything that Maja is going to do to get Christian to love her or have a baby with her because that is her end goal. She wants to have a baby. And he was one of the ones that they brought in for his sperm to combat that inbreeding. So you see everything happen. So then when you see it happen in the film, you're like, oh, this is what's next. This is what's next. But you're agreeing with it. I don't know. I think it is such a powerful way to tell a story because as an audience member, you are introduced to everything just like they are in the cult everything is out in the open for them they are introduced to it but it's what we choose to pay attention to at that time because it's what what are we focusing on at that time and all these people are so self and this and this is what makes the community feeling of the cult so good because all these american students or the british um couple that comes in they are very self-centered and very self-serving and they're to take from this cult and not give back whereas the whole cult is about community giving and feeling and what you do for each other so i think that when the most selfish people die it is because that does not ideal i align with the ideals of the cult yes but my, my synopsis says yes no i'm just kidding <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, um, but i think it's pretty uh awesome that you talk about yeah, there's symbolism and foreshadowing. I mean, even before Christian becomes a furry, he's, he sees his own death and is just like, oh, like, what even is this? <laughs> you know, look at these pretty pictures. I love how the triangle house that they eventually go and burn everybody in is yellow, right? And not like a lighter color yellow, something very desaturated can bring that, you know, like an, like an energetic kind of feeling um, can help you uplifting and cheerful and, and joyful. But, um, you know, these really saturated canary yellow kind of yellows that we're used to seeing, at least in America, like a lot of our caution signs are yellow. But, uh, you know, yellow can kind of be like a precursor to danger kind of thing. And I thought it was really cool that they made the house that yellow and stand out like that. I mean, also like yellow like the sun. But uh, but yeah, so there's a lot of foreshadowing. I think one of the things they did that was really cool is they could, um, beyond just like someone having flashbacks and dreams, seeing people, you know, appear in mirrors behind them, they incorporated all this like 
hardcore tripping so that they could do other things like put faces in, you know, the trees and the clouds and the surroundings and that sort of thing. Did you think that there was any particular kind of foreshadowing in the film or any kind of symbolism that that you thought could have been executed a little bit better by the director? Yeah, I'm, I'm pinning you right against the director now. Do it. Do it. Oh, my God. Ari Aster, I never want to say a thing against you. One thing I think could have been done differently, which I mean, it was done subtly in the paintings um, in the rooms of the ch- uh, in the in the children's house, in the children's quarters, um, is the scene at night. Now, I know it is not in the in the theatrical version of the film. I know not everyone sees it, but I do believe that they could have explained that a little bit more because a lot of the a lot of the thesis of this is that what horrors happen in the daylight because it is daylight all the time right and we are banking on this daylight to bring a lot of those horrors but also to bring this sense of calmness and serenity so when we have this scene at night and it is so chaotic with the child trying to sacrifice himself i felt like there could have been more to that a little bit more explanation as to why the sun went down this one night that would have been my only precursor like if pele had been showing her photos in the house and he talks about the sun and the monster and the river and all this like i think that something because we see it so often and it's done so well i think it could have been something more because to me that scene is so important because it is the only scene at night so you are seeing a different spectrum of the film that you are used to so that's what i would have liked is not a high complaint is very low on my complaint list but that would be that would be my critique do you have any critiques? Not really. I thought the movie was okay. I know you, this is one you absolutely love. I thought it was okay. Like, when we talked off off recording, and I was like, yeah, it was all right. I mean, it just it's not my style. I, I, I wasn't used to it. I'm not used to that style of horror, if that makes any sense. Oh, absolutely. And I would say this is a very different style of horror. It is not slasher. There is gore. But what it is is it is such... What... <laughs> Okay, so what Ari Aster does so, so well is that I believe through his storytelling and through the way he sets up a scene and how he writes his dialogue is he really allows you to feel as broken as these characters are feeling. And I think using that emotional manipulation to have you feel all this empathy for these characters to get indoctrinated into this cult and kind of to be in that mindset where at the end the horrors aren't that horrifying it's just part of what they do and you feel relief and happiness for Danny. I think that is so, I think that is what is so scary about this movie is that how our thinking changes by our surroundings. Yeah. Um, but I mean, also it's scary to know the horrors that we can do to each other. But I think when you look at the relationship between Danny and Christian and obviously Christian is an abusive boyfriend. He's an emotionally abusive boyfriend. He is narcissistic. He is inconsiderate. He is selfish. And he was good enough for Maja. <laughs> yeah. Maja didn't know him. He also cheated on Danny, forgot her birthday, sold out his friends, sold out his friends. Like someone stole our book. He's like, Oh, they did it. I'm yeah. Not, I'm not involved, but I'm sure they did it. He's, he has no <laughs> backbone. He's, he has, I don't know why Danny was with him. I don't know. She's so beautiful. And I think that Pele liked her the whole time and wanted her to come. So, Because I believe off screen, after she becomes May Queen, Pele is moved into this position of higher power 
within the community they say that he is granted like a crown because he was the one who brought their May Queen. So I do believe that him and Danny are going to end up together. We do see them kiss one time. It is a surprise kiss. I'm never a fan of a surprise kiss, but it is one. And the community accepts it too, right? So it's not done in private. It's done in the middle of all of them. They're all cheering and happy. So yeah. Yeah. And I think it's accepted. And what I think is so interesting is that it is accepted without, we don't see Silva granting the acceptance like we do when she is granting the acceptance to Christian. So when, when Christian goes to Silva's house and she is talking to him about the ritual that he will perform with Maya and what that means for the community and what his role in that is, it is more like we've talked about this, we've thought about it, and it's going to happen. Whereas with Pele and Danny, it feels like they've already accepted her and they don't need to have that conversation. They don't need to think about it. They are just like, yep. Pele can do what he wants. He brought the maker and we trust him. Yeah. Uh, I think also there's a part earlier on where he's talking and he says, the only one I truly wanted to come was you. Yeah. And he says that to Danny. And like he, he said, none of them else could have came. I wouldn't have cared. I just wanted you. Because I think he liked Danny so much. And again, Danny is getting manipulated by a different type of man, but we're, we are also getting manipulated with her. So it is maybe a little bit more okay. <laughs> but... She's getting manipulated by a different kind of man and indoctrinated into a whole cult. So is it really a happy ending for her? I don't know. Let me float a question out to the room because this is something that I had like read about online and like I was thinking a little bit about it. So you guys can tell me if it's a stretch, but I believe that this is also a fairy tale. I mean, from what I understand, like a lot of this ritualistic stuff, I think was a you know taken from inspirations from pagan as well as North mythology. So I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, um, even with just like other fairy tales around the area. I mean, Europe's I think a little bit more they tend to have a little bit more realistic or harsh endings to things versus in America, everything has to be rainbows and butterflies. Wasn't there an ending to uh, there was an ending to a movie that they that this this was like years ago and I can't remember what it is maybe Carol will know but the ending of it was left up in the air so that the audience could choose a happier ending and this is in America but then in Britain oh I think it was the one where they went down into the cave or something like that are you talking about the descent yes everyone dies in the descent which American version did you see. The main character in The Descent, or at least that they showed the theatrical version in America, they didn't actually show the main character dying. They just kind of like a faded out black order. But when you actually saw the other version that they showed elsewhere, and I think they at the time they referenced, oh, in, in England or Great Britain, but they they constr- they tacked on the rest of the ending, which was you saw that she was hallucinating and that she was actually still stuck down there. Which is a better ending to The Descent. Oh my God. Okay, talk about female-led horror. That is an iconic, iconic movie. Oh my God, we should talk about it again. Um, <laughs> I can talk about this movie a lot. I agree with that. Um, ben, do you want to ha- any thoughts on the fairy tale aspect before I go into my rant? So reading Grimm's fairy tales and then watching Disney. Disney has all these like, oh, the world's peaceful and joyful and happy. And then you read Grimm's fairy tales and... The stepsisters cut off their toes to fit into the uh, the slipper. The Rapunzel gets her hair cut off and stapled to the wall. And then the, when the guy calls up, he gets killed. I mean, all this, like, those are all Nord's, like, fairy tales to explain life and death. Like, uh, Hansel and Gretel is, you know, they lead the parents, the parents lead them up to die. It's just, 
it's just metaphoric for the way the world is. So I can see how this could possibly be like, you know, metaphoric for like, you know, look, when people get old, is it easier to take care of them or to like, you know, have them die at their own hands? Uh, it, you know, I see the aspects of this, like where this could be a fairy tale, whereas, you know, this girl has gone through so much and she's traumatized and she's needs acceptance in her own mind. She needs acceptance for herself. And then she finds this cult and they find her and they embrace each other. So I see it. I see it because let's, let's break it down a little bit, you guys. So we have Danny. She loses both her parents. Classic princess move. No mom, no dad. Bambi. 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 And literally anyone. Cinderella. <laughs> Rapunzel. <Right? laughs> literally anyway. So she's princessed in the beginning because she loses everybody. Travels to a faraway land. Already knows the guy, but we'll say meets a guy. Becomes a queen. <laughs> oh my God. It's 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 frozen. It's, it's frozen. It's frozen. She's Anna. She is. <laughs> um, so no, I just think that's funny to think about because I do, because I believe it is how maybe Danny starts to view things. They're like home to you. And I think that those are two very important questions that no one has ever thought to ask Danny ever once in her life. And I think that they're really important questions to kind of think about regardless of like what situation you're in but like it's like do, do you feel loved and supported by this person is this person your home is this where it can just be you and them and then where you guys are that is what is important and i think having danny get asked that question kind of really makes her think and i think that thinking and how unhappy she has been and how christian's been treating her really helps separate and when she's fully separated we see her fully separated from christian um, at the final ceremony before she selects him. We see them fully separated. We see her disgusted with him. And we see her fully in with the cult, like on their side. She's picking one of theirs over her boyfriend, right? So I think I think it's so, I think it's really interesting. And I love that quote a lot. And I think about it often. And I don't know, did any lines stick out to you guys in the film? You didn't even watch it. She lost one family to find another. She lost one family to find another. Another princess theme. <laughs> Way to go, Ben. Just take what I was going to say, but that's all right. <laughs> oh, my God. Did you guys watch the same synopsis video? <laughs> man's got to do it. Man's got to do it. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So um, I know that this has been an incredibly long episode, you guys. So if you are still listening, thank you. Please watch the film. Write into us about all your theories. If you ever just want to message and talk to me about this film, just say that and I will send you paragraphs because I feel like I've only begun to scratch the surface, but I could talk about it for another hour. So we will not keep these boys hostage for another hour talking about a movie that one didn't see. And Ben, I'm so sorry that you just thought it was okay. I, I'm sorry. No, don't apologize for your taste. I'm sorry. It's an opinion. Okay. Um, no, no, no. But guys, please watch Midsummer. Um, I was saying this to Adam before we started recording. Um, A24, as you know, throughout the month of October is releasing some of their films again. Um, the Witch and Midsummer are two of them and is actually going to be the director's cut of Midsummer. So I would highly, highly suggest you guys check your theater times and really go see it. It is a great movie. Uh, the director's cut is almost three hours long. I will, I will start with that. So... Just, just know that. But once you're in the world, you're in the world, and it is so immersive, and the payout is so, so good. I'd love to hear all your thoughts. Sounds good. Awesome. So thank you guys so much for listening. Again, spooky, spooky October, spooky films. 
Um, we'll get away from some female horror and we'll, we'll get into some more classics, I think. Um, I know these two are a little bit more modern. In our Suspiria episode, we talked about a different type of final girl, and I believe that Danny also falls into that vein. Um, I do believe she is a different type of final girl. Um, a movie we won't cover, but I will shout out, is if you also want to see a different type of final girl, please watch the movies Jennifer's Body and the movie A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. <laughs> oh, actually, I guess I have a lot of these. <laughs> um, but check check those out if you'd like. Also, All the Boys Love Mandy Lane. Um, so just some really great, strong, female-centric films where women come out on top, which is what we all like to see. So uh, check out Midsummer. Keep listening to us. We couldn't do it without you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Follow, follow, follow. Like, like, like. Write in, give us suggestions. If you have a spooky horror movie or if you just want to talk about Midsummer, reach out. I obviously have a lot to say. And um, catch us next time on What's Happening.